Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. This week, we actually have a really good episode. I know that Missing Hours is coming up next week, but then after that, it's like a hurricane. And what I'm going to try to do is I have um, a digitized VHS episode from Spike TV (laughs) that I'm going to try to get screenshots of and put that in the gallery, like have two separate galleries. So look out for that and maybe also play some clips, some old commercials, because it is a time machine from maybe 2004, 2005. It is nuts. But this week, however... We are continuing on this theme of daddy issues, and this episode really surprised me. I was thoroughly impressed at how they handled the subject matter, how the character was written, and yeah, let's get into it. This week, we are covering season four, episode six, entitled God's Work. Per IMDb, the good son, sorry, (laughs) There are two sons. Let me put it that way. Sorry. <clears throat> the good son. Did my parents write this? All right. The good son of a crime boss returns to Miami for some reason. Castillo fears he's there to take over the business, but the tragic truth surprises him. A caring priest related to the criminal and Castillo's close friend is soon murdered. Whew. Let's open up this episode. We are at the docks. We see Cruz in giant letters on a shipping container. So let's just put two and two together. What kind of crime family are we dealing with here? We're dealing with the Cruises. They're going to be watching the ports. They're, you know, legitimate business. Export. I'm giving them Italian accents when they're, I want to say 85%. I'm sure they're Cuban. Let's get into it. It turns out that they're doing undercover. Crockett is in the van, which is very unbecoming of him. I'm sorry. He's too handsome to drive a car like that. (laughs) Then we have Zwitek undercover, like kind of looking like a a worker with with other undercover. And then Tubbs pulling up in his sweet ride to make this deal. They have each other on... The radio. So Crockett doesn't want to do anything until they get the location of the merchandise. Now, the merchandise made me laugh. <laughs> also, the image of his father made me laugh. This is a long clip, but I, I assure you, there was a good payoff. I heard your papa would pour a drink, pass out cigars, talk about politics, philosophy, highlight, and still take care of business. But yeah, but I do business my way. You got quite a flair for it, too. So where's the merchandise? You get the location and I get the money. All that happens inside. So what are we talking? Coming off. Six containers, 20-inch Trinitrons, autofocus cameras, PC2s with software. ¿Quién es eso? ¿Cómo está eso? You set me up, Cooper, you're dead. Boat's supposed to be clean. Hey, what the hell, sonny? We got a new player. Let it run, Swy, let it run. Any moves, we lose Rico. Hey, easy. There's a thin line between rude and unfriendly. Given that they are making this deal in front of this beautiful giant yacht, they see this mysterious man in a white trench coat on the yacht. It turns out it is Francesco's brother, Felipe, who has taken only him, but the whole family and all of Miami by surprise by returning. 
So we are back at OCB after the intro, and Tubbs and Gina are talking and about what motivations. You see, Felipe Isa Morales had turned his back on the family business. He had gotten this great education in New York, thanks to Papa's money, and he stayed out there. And he, you know, got his law degree and all this. So they don't really know what to think of this. But you have to go to the gallery and see the board that they set up. It's not as manic as Charlie and the Pepe Silvia board, but it's pretty awesome. And they also put a great picture of Felipe on there. Gina looks great in yellow, while Trudy looks great in like a berry red crockett's. Outfit is a little wild. It looks like he has a striped split open shirt, like a deep, deep, deep V because there's a little bit of a flip on the fabric. Then maybe like a black overshirt. It is a little wild, but let's give it to him. (laughs) So Castillo wants a full court press. He wants to make sure that everybody has tabs on the Cruz family. Gina, the lucky one, gets to keep tabs on Felipe himself. Zwytek and Crockett are going to go stake out the cruise mansion. The best vantage point is in the ocean. Uh-oh, Zwytek and I have something in common in this next clip. Uh, the best surveillance point's in the middle of the bay. Oh, then we'll use a boat. You remember what that is, don't you, babe? It's a new invention. It's just like a car, only it floats. Yeah, but I'll get seasick. Bring a bag. <laughs> Very important personal life update that I may not have updated you on. When I was in Greece, we took a ferry... <laughs> to get around the Greek islands. And as, oh my Lord, this was also, they're already pretty bad to begin with. They're very rocky. They're packed. And you just got to like wait in this crowd of people in heat, no air conditioning. Then you finally get on. Luckily, you'll have a seat if you booked in advance. So the one we had, thank God we had seats in advance. It was, not I want to say a storm because the skies were clear, but it was... The most turbulent ferry ride you could imagine. It <laughs> Two women writhing on the floor screaming because they couldn't stop throwing up. Staff, again, totally seen this every day. Just like major sea legs. I, again, just sat in silence, just focusing on a spot, swaying my body back and forth and just keep my eyes closed as much as I could. The boat hit a wave so hard that the latch and the door just flung open. And we thought that people screamed. It was so wild. And it was maybe an hour and a half. And I did not throw up on either of any of the ferries I took in Greece. And I'm very proud. But you cannot do anything. Like, I tried to watch TV for a bit. I was like, nope, nope, nope. Just got to sit and focus. One day I hope to get my sea legs where I could either maybe watch TV or, you know, do something aside from just like listening to (laughs) instrumental music. So I'm very proud of that. But again, I very much am still feeling Zwytek. And like later on this episode, the way Don Johnson is driving this boat, I was like, he is a pro. And like, obviously I know he was doing cigarette boat races while he was living in Miami, but that is wild. I was just, like, getting nauseous watching him and even just making the gifts. I was like, whoa. Now, speaking of the boat, it is time for a beautiful party. 
I love, love, love that basically the dress code was white with a little bit of color. You have Papa Cruz with one of his friends. I'm assuming also from the old country. They both have accents. I'm assuming they're both from Cuba. Looking so dapper, smoking cigars in white suits and blue ties. His wife is super beautiful. You'll recognize her as Rosanna DeSoto. She was in the episode Bushido. But that's funny enough. She was actually in another movie with Isai Morales, La Bamba. I... I have still not seen my family or La Bamba. I really need to get on like my my Isai Morales train. So I do apologize. That's going to be my goal for the week. Now, this party is so beautiful and she is so excited to have her son back. And she says that if he came back, she would throw parties like this every day. Damn, he is very clearly the favorite child. You could tell this <laughs> even by... <laughs> His father and his friends' conversation in this next clip. Oh, no man could feel more pride than you for a son like Felipe. I have two sons. Well, Francesco, forgive me, Jorge. Francesco lacks habilidad. Felipe's got the touch, the touch to build on what you have begun. All right, now let's give Papa Cruz a little bit of credit. He doesn't completely double down on bad-mouthing his son. He does remind his friend that he has two sons, that it's not just all about Felipe. But it's clear to me, clear to you, who the favorite is. (laughs) Now, the mom is definitely going to put this into perspective and make it much more evident. Your father seems happier than he has for years. Well, a good son makes his parents happy. Good son always tells his mother the truth. The truth? Okay, the truth. I've come back to Miami because the people I love are all here. Oh, that's very sweet. And he, like you could hear like the champagne clinking and he gives the mother a kiss on the cheek. It's very sweet. Then Francesco is not happy, makes this snide comment about his brother, the Prince of Wall Street. There's a great gift of the gallery of him tossing the champagne drunkily in the pool. Also, he's looking pretty sweet with the shades and the hair slicked back. Gotta say, that's a good look. Now, let's get a little bit depressing. We are going to Little Havana. We see two girls crossing the street, and I really like one of theirs. She's wearing white boots and, like, a scrunchie with all the hair pulled up on top, and it's a big, big, big scrunchie with an oversized jean jacket. It is so 80s. I love this outfit. Now, Felipe is pulling up to a church with graffiti sprayed all around it, and it's very hurtful graffiti about HIV and AIDS-afflicted persons. That was a very long-winded way to say I just... This was almost 40 years ago, but it still hurts, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I want to be incredibly sensitive about it. And this episode actually is much more progressive than I thought, but when you see these words spray paint, you can see them on the gallery. It, I'm like, I can't imagine how that must have felt. Whew. So he's going in. There is a punk kid with his arms crossed blocking the door. We see a priest open up the door and politely tell this kid off. 
and basically just like tell the kid to move that like, yes, you know, public property, but this is my private property. You got to move. And you should be thanking the priest for helping you. <laughs> like this priest is very funny, very clever. And as you can tell, if he's running an HIV AIDS clinic, incredibly open hearted, especially in 1987. Remember, Gina is supposed to be Felipe's best friend. So she follows him to this church. She has a camera with her, like a spy cam. It's not super good quality. I'm sorry, not super good quality. It's like not super discreet, but discreet enough. Like I can tell also because we can hear the click. Maybe back in 1987, if I were just like a passerby, I wouldn't notice it. So she makes this like friendly coincidence. She's going inside. She's going to follow Felipe in. But again, like do it very smoothly. This is her job. She also looks fantastic. She is in a coral dress with a belt showing off her tiny waist. And it does look like she has gained some weight, which is great. She was getting a little too thin for her frame and for her face. I think I've said this phrase a lot, like you choose between your butt and your face. And she looks like a million dollars and her body looks in amazing shape. So Gina, Sandra Santiago, chef's kiss, because that is such a great color on you, that coral pink. So as she's in, she's kind of like, you know, walking around, taking pictures of Felipe and a gentleman that he's talking to sitting down with. And then she's looking at a pamphlet called What a Family Should Know About AIDS and just kind of seeing all the sick people in the clinic and seeing what good work the priest is doing. Now, speaking of Felipe, turns out that Francesco can just not get away from Felipe when he's out of town, maybe. And again, Felipe just looks such a sweet kid and you can tell how jealous Francesco is. But like when you're played against each other by your parents it is never going to end well so Tubbs is going to the warehouse to make this deal when a rogue meeting with a crazy forklift driver going through pallets trying to attack him Tubbs climbs on top of the pallets and the forklift guy like goes in and basically like lifts him up off the pallets Tubbs jumps up on the forklift and like Beats him up, pulls a gun on him until Francesco gets him to cool off and the guy runs away and they can talk business. Tubbs is coming in soft and Francesco is coming in hot and Tubbs knows exactly what button to push. What I hear, your brother makes all the decisions now. That's bull, Cooper. My father and I run this whole business. What else? Felipe's a real player. He'd give me a better deal anyways. Love it. Push those buttons, King. Then after, they're at lunch with Castillo. So it's going to be Crockett and Tubbs at lunch with Castillo. And kind of going over possible reasons. Number one, that Felipe is back and that things in the business could be changing. So some hypotheses are thrown out. So maybe it's because Cruz is losing power over the dock. People aren't paying enough protection because they're not scared of him. And is that why Felipe's home? To strengthen that. Then when Crockett and Tubbs throw in the priest after seeing Felipe go visit him, Castillo tells them, don't press into it, basically to back off, that this is a good guy. 
though he does have ties to the Cruz family, this doesn't seem like anything the priest would do. Crockett wants to go the Rico path, not Rico Tubbs, but <laughs> the Rico path. Castillo also puts a stop to that as well. Take it to the grand jury on a Rico violation before Felipe can work his magic. He's wiggled out of that one before. I want Cruz all the way, no outs. Importation that works. There's a lot here that doesn't figure, Lieutenant. That's right. Nothing figures I want answers. Maybe his uncle in the hospice will be our route to Felipe. Interesting. So there's still a lot to be discovered here, but it's interesting to see that the Cruises have wormed their way out of Rico before. That's pretty impressive. So Castillo is now at a coffee shop. He is smiling and speaking Spanish. What's going on? He's talking to the owner and then the priest comes by. Turns out that they're old friends. They get two cafecitos. And when I mean cito, I mean cito. This is served in a plastic ramekin and they have what looks to be maybe water in a cup. I was trying to figure it out because like I've had Cuban coffee in Toronto at a house. So I've never had the real thing. So please enlighten me. But these are served in plastic ramekins that you use for jello shots and use for sauces at a restaurant. Like, I don't know how strong this is. Usually it's in like a very tiny little cup and you drink it very slowly. Again, lesson learned. Do not just chug it all at once because it is strong. But that was my little, I would like some help with that. If you have any idea, please let me know. Very sweet. The priest is talking about items that he still needs for the clinic. And they talk smack about the baseball team, what have you. And it is very nice to see that they have this existing friendship. The priest gets all these um, like sweet treats to go as he's heading home. And... <laughs> Castillo jokes that, you know, he doesn't want to get fat and he shouldn't want to get fat either. But that was very cute and wholesome and relatable because who doesn't like a sweet treat? Then as the priest is making his way home again to like a very modest home, I believe in Little Havana, that's where his clinic is. I'm assuming that he works and lives in the community. We see the camera follow him home through the door. He doesn't lock it. Then we see that it's not the camera it's someone else. And this is actually really good music that's playing in the background. That song is Nine Million Rainy Days by Jesus and Mary Chain. As we see gets followed up the stairs. The priest is going into his bag to have one of the penecitos. <laughs> Relatable king. As we see a light flash on his face, we see the priest get really scared. I swear he was saying, I have asked my boyfriend in the kitchen to verify. Que Dios te perdone. May God forgive you. I. It's really hard to make out. Also, I kind of have to edit quickly because there are gunshots, but this is what I heard. Again, please feel free to correct me. Again, please, this is what I thought it was. This is the most I could hear. This is me trying to like interpret it a million times. If only my Mill Creek Blu-rays and DVDs actually had the subtitles because way back in the day, those DVD sets, especially the Canadian versions, had 
all different subtitles in them. This is why I love subtitles for exactly reasons like this. Now, unfortunately, we are back at the priest's house, but we are there for the crime scene investigation. Crockett's ex-girlfriend that was in One-Eyed Jack has come back to life as a detective as well, looking very good in her outfit. The white shirt and the skirt. Turns out the sister called it in. She also did notice a youth kind of looking sketchy that might be a person of interest. So she's letting him know that. And then Castillo says that Felipe, you know, has been... Sorry. So it turns out that Trudy wasn't really able to get a lot of matches until she sent the pictures that Gina took at the AIDS clinic to New York. This is where Louis Garcia has popped up. He's an old friend of Felipe's. How old? Sandbox days old. And of course, if NYPD or New York has info on Louis Garcia... That's where Felipe was based out of. That's where he went to school. That's where he was working. This is all very interesting. I'll let Crockett take it from here. Bay, Yale LLD. Do not pass go. Do not intern in the streets and make your bones. Go directly into the family firm. Hook up the whole eastern seaboard with Louis Garcia. You got Papa in Miami, Louis Garcia in New York, and Felipe is on the move. And a bigger player than we thought. What's he using the AIDS hospice for? Cover? Nobody wants to stake out or search an AIDS clinic. Drop for drugs? Lab? Maybe this explains why somebody put a hit on Father Ernesto. This actually is quite a good theory. This makes a lot of sense. Now, unfortunately, we are getting a little bit sad. We are going to the father's funeral. There are anti, there are protesters there with, again, signs against people suffering from AIDS. Again, this is like jarring. That's why I like really debated, but I made it the cover art for YouTube because I was like, this isn't that far removed. And yeah, it's crazy and it's like really upsetting and I'm still toying with the idea. Maybe I won't make it the YouTube cover art, but like, wow, this is just like a, such a powerful moment in history. And like, we've come so far. Whew. And obviously the Cruz family is not really happy to talk to reporters. The father is kind of telling them to F off. And the mother tells them to, you know, to be nice and to just, you know, give at least a statement to the press. And... It's really sad. And then Gina ends up chatting a little bit with Felipe after the funeral. Felipe is not noticing that Gina is basically stalking him. But, however, I guess, you know, you're using this priest as your middleman. And she brings up that she has a really sick friend that she wanted to bring to the clinic or to the hospice. And she's worried about what's going to happen now that the father is gone. That's when she and Felipe go to the church and see that it's being, that they're getting evicted and that they had a 24-hour notice to get out and take everything with them. And notice that the crew members who are taking stuff out, the moving crew is wearing masks. Wow, wild, right? Just like wild to think about. And 
they see this punk kid who was the same punk kid that we saw originally when Gina and Felipe went to the church. They take off running. Felipe tackles him. Again, this kid is very fast. He manages to run up the stairs of, I want to say, a house. I like the outside of a house. Turns around, pulls out a switchblade on them. That's when Gina pulls out a gun on the kid and on his friends, one of whom has nunchucks with him. Yes, again, go to the gallery because I definitely included (laughs) evidence of that. Too funny. Now, this is also a great one-liner. This Ute, Ricky Diaz, is brought in for questioning. He gets a little sassy with Tubbs to start. The message, Ricky. You're on the edge of a steep cliff, and I got reason to push. I told you it wasn't me. We all look alike, right? (laughs) Doesn't that remind you of a young Ricardo Tubbs? I know we all look alike to you, something crackers. <laughs> I'm so glad I have that clip saved. Now, Gina and Rico turn the heat up on little Ricky Diaz. They make it seem. They say that the cruise boys are going to pick him up after. Oh boy, does Ricky Diaz change his tune? He's like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I saw a guy in a suit. Hmm. Keep that. Again, Castillo wants to check in on this tip. Back in Castillo's office, he is looking over a Bible, has a newspaper clipping cut out about protesters. Then he sees a picture of four guys with the father and Castillo being one of them. Then he reads the inscription in the Bible left by Father Lupe, recently deceased. So it seems like their friendship really has span decades. Gina comes in. Again, she doesn't really have that much of a lead. What she was able to get from tapped phone conversations between the fathers, between Garcia and Cruz, was that Garcia's dad said that my son made it to Miami. So they do know that Garcia is in Miami. They did see him at the clinic, but they couldn't really get that much info. Castillo doesn't say anything in response. She asks if Castillo is okay. He doesn't answer, but he does say the hospice must remain open throughout the investigation to continue the priest's work. Castillo goes to talk to the landlord. She's the embodiment of what you would envision an 80s boss lady, a little bit older landlord, you know, very prim, proper, wearing white, wearing pink, letting Castillo know that, you know... Families in the neighborhood had a right to be concerned that this, this was their neighborhood, too. Then when he asked to make a call, he calls Gina, or it appears that he calls Gina, and asks for records, anything he has on the company in question. She changes her tune. It turns out it wasn't her. It was actually the church that held the lease, and therefore the church that ordered the boot. That's interesting. Yeah, Gina. Give me a rundown on a J.P. Moore management agency. Everything. Taxes. Building violations works. Lieutenant. 
Yeah, thank you. How about if I save your little legwork? How about it? Well, you never heard it here. But I didn't rent that space to Father Lupe. At least not directly. Cruz? The church leased that property. Pulled out of the lease, forfeited a hefty security bond in the bargain. Ooh, interesting. So Castillo is going to talk to the priest that he met with and ask a little bit more information. It turns out the priest wanted Father Lupe to move the location of the hospice and that the neighborhood really was not welcoming or supportive. And Father Lupe refused. And that's that. And this is when Castillo brings up a really good point and he brings up a really good threat. What about his patients? Some things are not simple. Headlines, Archdiocese evicts AIDS patients is simple. I thought we had an understanding about the press. Reopen it. Isn't that what the police call blackmail, Lieutenant? Sometimes even a simple cop has to be a soldier in battlefields not of his own choosing. Now, what a response to the blackmail accusation. And also, number one, this is 100% deserved. So I feel nothing bad. And wow, speaking of 40 years ago, what a different view people had of the Catholic Church than now. Very interesting. Now, let's go get your seasick bags because we are going on the boat. Again, please go to the gallery and just see Crockett riding around, flying around in this boat, in the Scarab, and I do not know how he's not throwing up the whole time. Kudos to him. He definitely had a lot of training on that. Looks like a million dollars. I really enjoyed this outfit with the salmon Henley and the white sport coat, looking like a million bucks. He pretends to break down right outside of cruises while he's kind of like scoping it out with binoculars. Zwitek, Tubbs also chime in. Tubbs says that Felipe has already headed out on the highway, whereas Francesco and his goons are going to chase Crockett. This, again, is a super funny scene at the end where Crockett sees a sign for Sandbar and basically dekes them out with like the swerve of the boat and then Francesco falls overboard and it's really funny. Gets up, throws his jacket on the hull of the boat and starts like pointing and cursing at Crockett. Now, let's remember all of that comic relief as we head into the next scene. Felipe is visiting someone. We find out it's Louis. He looks really sick. He's lying down. Felipe and him holding hands, having a heart to heart. It's a really sad scene as he watches Louis die in front of him. I am so sorry. 
But I'm, I'm here now, okay? Um, what would it be like to die? Yeah. Well, don't say that. Don't say that, please. Come on. I'm so scared. Will we please? We just hang on. Don't leave me alone. No. No, I'm not. I'm not going anywhere, okay? Um, please. Just hang on. Don't leave me alone. Okay? It's a really sweet scene as Felipe tries to, like, help out his friend and he says like I'm gonna get you out of here I'm gonna move you and Louis trying to communicate with him that like this is it and then that's when Louis passes away and whew, it's like a very emotionally heavy scene and afterwards Felipe is surprisingly candid with Castillo I would not be in this don't want to say forgiving mood, but understanding mood after one of my closest friends just passed away in front of me. Dio, as I've stated before, Louis and I were in a relationship quite a while back. And he came here a couple of months ago because of his sickness to be with Ernesto. And things took a turn for the worst. Michael called me here. That's why I've come back. Never wanted to run the family business. <laughs> you and your family are under suspicion for the murder of Ernesto Lupe. He was my uncle and my confessor. He knew everything about me. He always had. He taught me compassion and love is what Christianity is all about. He stood his ground, whether or not it was popular. I know. We stood shoulder to shoulder once, at a different time, for a different cause. He was my friend. So after they're able to talk a little bit more and connect over what the father has shown and the person that he's shown them to be and helped encourage them to be. Castillo says, don't leave this city. What a dick. After Felipe has just watched one of his closest friends and ex-lovers die in front of him. And Felipe has just said today is a big day for the truth because he's going to go tell his family. And that's what Castillo responds with. Oh, my God. bedside manner. Jeez. <laughs> now at OCB, Tubbs suggests that Jorge Cruz, Papa Cruz, might be mad at his son and might have something to do with the death of Father Lupe. Interesting. Keep going. He knows that Louis and Felipe are close. And he guesses the rest. Jorge figures out Felipe will never make him a granddad and he freaks. How could this happen to King Macho? They also, I guess, skirt around censorship by asking if the priest, basically hinting, asking, like, what orientation the priest followed. Castillo backs it up that he's straight, and he always doubted that he could keep his vow of chastity 25 years ago, and, you know, nothing much has changed with him, so it probably would be the same today. Again, that's not how being gay works. You don't just, like, meet a gay friend or family member like, oh, I want to do that too. <laughs> that's, 
again, this is 1987. Just, it's about to get very progressive. So we can just take this conversation in stride. Here it's going to get progressive on Isai Morales' part, of Felipe's part, not so much on his brother. Makes me want to throw up. Excuse me. You should be delighted. I didn't come here to take over the family business. Who could possibly care about any of this now? Is this really what it's about? Greed, money, power. Always, always the same with you. You play this off on me. I'm always here. I'm normal. Wow. Again, this is 1987. Also, I really appreciate what the mother said. She has just lost her brother. And then now her son, being who he is, is causing this rift between the brothers. And like adding fuel to the fire of their sibling rivalry. And again, like Felipe is like, I'm not here for the family business. I just want to live my life. And I really appreciate that. The dad, again, I think he's very old school in what he wants his family to look like and act like. And it sounds like the dad is taking it well because it says like the dad always knew. But Felipe was really worried about how his father would take this. I'm amazed at how calmly you're taking all this. Didn't expect it. You underestimate me. You both do. First of all, I knew. How? Franco Garcia. So he finds out because Luis Garcia's father found out that his son was gay after his son revealed that he was dying. And he's upset, sorry, Papa Cruz upset at Felipe for keeping secrets and was worried that Felipe would also be sick. And I realize it's not your fault. Fault? I blame myself. Blame? No one's to blame. This is who I am, like brown eyes and gray hair. I should have spent more time with you. Now we need to change. With your home, with your family, with Ernesto gone. Ernesto? Ernesto had nothing to do with this. May he burn in hell. You had him killed. He polluted your mind. You're crazy! You had him killed! No. I killed him myself. So after this revelation, we see the mom walk away. I'll leave it there. You don't get it, do you? You just don't want to get it. But these are the facts from the son your money has educated so well. First of all, you don't switch on and off your sexual preferences. I was 12 when I knew. I cried myself to sleep every night. Not so much for myself as for you. And want to hurt you. Whew. Unfortunately, Felipe was giving his father too much grace since we have just seen his true colors. Now, remember I said the mom had left the room? She walks back looking amazing, I might add, and slyly walks back with a gun in her hand. This is when Vice has come in already. They're overhearing this conversation. She shoots 
Papa Cruz in the shoulder. He survives. But before Vice had got there, Felipe had sworn that Papa Cruz, Jorge, would not get away with this and that he's a lawyer and he vowed to uphold the law. So then this is how the episode ends. Jorge Cruz, you're under arrest for the murder of Nestor Lupe. I also love that the father's getting arrested. So again, before Felipe was saying that he is a lawyer and he vowed to uphold the law and that his father would not get away with this. So the fact that the mother shot him, they're not saying that they're arresting the mother and that they're putting him behind bars for shooting Father Lupe. That's the ending I wanted. This episode, I am just really impressed with the progressive themes and the writing and the maturity in tackling such a sensitive subject and really bringing humanity to this crisis. I really have to give them props. And I don't really have that much vice tea because we do have a lot of, you know, familiar faces with Isai Morales, with Rosanna de Soto, and with um, Janet Constable, who was Barbara Carroll, Caro. Carol. That was the name of Crockett's ex-girlfriend in One-Eyed Jack, because I still remember speaking of last episode, when Crockett meets Caroline's new boyfriend, I'm like, you can't really except if you're Melanie Griffith, date someone hotter than Don Johnson after. (laughs) Like, it's really hard. Like, how do you top that? I don't know. And then imagine, like, oh yeah, this is is my ex-boyfriend, Don Johnson in 1986. Like, okay, Bye. I do not know how I would handle that information. Um, not too much vice tea, but this is actually very sweet. So the guy who played Ricky Diaz, Jonathan Del Arco, um, is openly gay and actively works to support the community, which I really appreciate. And I couldn't find too much on the priest, Ole Krupa. I was like, oh, that's definitely Polish. He was. He had a few acting credits, but I couldn't find any anything spicy this episode. So I actually like this, that it was like a very progressive, necessary episode to write and to show in the 80s. And there's no trauma behind it. I really like that. And again, if you are like me, if you want to see more Isai Morales, we're going to rent my family and we're going to rent La Bamba. But La Bamba was Lou Diamond Phillips, so I guess Isai Morales is side character. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Especially living in LA, this is very bad. I do apologize. Let's get into fashion. Ooh, we have a fun one today because I want to say best dressed duo is not going to be Crockett and Tubbs. It's going to be Jorge Cruz and his friend with the white suits, with the blue ties and the blue pocket squares and the pink wine linens over the champagne. So let's just say they're champagne linens. It's just such a beautiful picture with the purple flowers as well. Like it's just such a colorful, I could just envision going to this party and just being blown away by the... By the details. I am going to give Crockett best man for the white sport coat. I really like the coral, but I got to say, I got to give it to my man in the teal. Best dressed woman. Going to say it's a tie because I love Gina in that coral dress. This was a good episode for coral, I must say. This should be, coral needs to be like one of the Miami Vice colors. I know that we're going into season five and we lose a lot of this. But like coral is just such a great color that looks great on so many people. Just saying. It's really hard because Mama Cruz 
and Gina both look like a million bucks. I want to give it to both of them for very different outfits. For Mama Cruz kind of being this like beautiful angel of death (laughs) in black with the arms rolled up and the gun and the very elegant watch and the beautifully blown out hair and the simple jewelry, just so elegant. And then Gina and the matching accessories. Why not both? Why don't we just celebrate all the beautiful people? But yeah, these two women, best dress, chef's kiss for very different purposes. (laughs) Then let's get to music. So we did have some very interesting songs in this episode. So we have Mambo Tarifico by the Cal Theater Sextet. That was at the Cruz's party. Then, like I said, we had Nine Million Rainy Days by Jesus and Mary Chain. That was kind of the haunting song as we followed the priest up the stairs. Then Yin and Yang and the Flowerpot Man by Love and Rockets. That title, I don't know what's going on there, but that was during the boat chase. Then the last song that we heard when Louis was dying, that was Modigliani, Lost in Your Eyes by Book of Love. My personal song of the episode, I think the episode really used this song perfectly, was Nine Million Rainy Days by Jesus and Mary Chain. Because that was just such a great scene. And you could really see the... uh, It's very intimate to see that face before he shot. Like, it's a very... It's personal. And, like, that song just added, like, an extra haunting level to it. Now, quote of the episode. Pardon me wants to give this to Tubbs three seasons ago. I know we all look alike to you Southern crackers. Unfortunately, I cannot... So quote of the episode goes to Ricky Diaz. And I got reason to push. I told you it wasn't me. We all look alike, right? What a way to wrap up. Such a well-acted, progressive episode. (laughs) Oh my God, just humor me here. I laughed so hard when I was watching the episode. And with that, we are closing up this episode of Vice and Easy. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all next week when I will not be having glowing things to say about the writing and the acting and so forth. So it's going to be a very different experience, but please join me. Please follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave five-star reviews. And don't forget, you can follow me on all things social at Vice and Easy Podcast. And with that, we'll see you next week for Missing Hours. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.